0: in the words of the late john denver almost heaven west virginia and this is the fat man chronicles Welcome to episode 167 of the Batman Chronicles. I'm Pete, flying solo today with my guest, Mr. Rob. How are you? Very good. How are you, sir? I'm all right. So we got you back on because we are on race week. It yeah. is. It's Here. time to point the vehicles towards that fabled. Country Roads of West Virginia for you to enter a canyon and run, hike, crawl, sweat, cry through a hundred miles. Cry rib, is very important
1: rib, on that part, yes. <laughs>
0: hey, it's okay to cry. We're, we're 21st century men. so <laughs> We're
1: so evolved.
0: We are evolved. But yeah, so we wanted to catch up and, and kind of get a Quick race plan from you, and answer a couple other questions along the way. But should be a fairly compact episode for us uh, overall. It's the
1: first time for everything,
0: there is. <laughs> so first, why don't you tell us how you're feeling, and then yeah. we'll we'll jump into your your race plan.
1: Well, you know how it is. You one minute you think like I'm on top of the world, the next minute you think there's no way in heck I'm even going to survive this thing. You know, that that changes about every seven minutes through the day. So, you know, watch a video, get all hyped up, look at the math, you're like, Yes, I can do this. Then you sit back and think, you're like, Oh, this this isn't gonna happen. I'm wasting everybody's time. So yeah. It's uh we're here. I'm healthy, I'm not injured. Uh you know, one day the forecast is amazing, the next day the forecast is not, and one day I feel good, one day I'm not. So that's just race week jitters, I guess. So that's that's typical. everyone's had it i, uh, I guess I can't really don't need to expound upon it too much so but it, 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 more more will be divulged on, on as far as the thinking behind all that here in the next few minutes but that's it it's just the typical ups and downs the week of so yeah
0: D- does the nervousness differ for this first 100 attempt versus other things like marathons or triathlons or the other stuff you've done um
1: partially i mean sometimes i don't want to see- some of the stuff you get into the doldrums of just, it's, I've been here, I've done it. Like, you know, when I was getting better at triathlons, it was like I was getting nervous and, you know, and so forth. Then you get like right in the middle of it and it's like, oh, well, it's just another day, you know what I mean? Just another race. There's nothing just another about this. It's, it's every step for three quarters of the race is going to be farther than I've ever gone and more than I've ever done. And that's where I keep, like, everyone keeps asking. And uh, the summary I, I try to give is, how are you feeling? You ready for it? I'm like, I have to be. It's coming. Um, You know, I I say, and uh, you know, I did what, like 75, 80% of the training, but I missed some of what I feel is like the key one. Like I said, long back to back. So, but a part of that is, is physical training. A lot of that's mental training where I I have years of experience to pull on from that. Um, You know, and that's just, I don't know what it's going to, what it's going to be like, you know, my 40, 50, 60, 70. It's just something that I don't know it until I get there. So that's, that's going to be the first time for it. Hopefully I have enough wealth experience in my life to, to pull from, to feel uh, adequate with that. Um, but then like, some of the other stuff is just absolutely identical to, I'm going to say marathon. It's like Monday, like, hey, I had a I had two rest days in a row and Monday, like, my knee hurt. I'm like, for no reason, didn't hit it, didn't do anything. I'm like, oh crap, what I do? But it's just one of those. You're you're resting well enough. I've been stretching and all that stuff, and you know, um, no real no injuries, no ankles, no no knees, nothing like that. But it's just one of those those niggles that come in that that rest week that we all seem to get is on par 100 with everything else I've done. This is just a lot more mental. And I should say it this way, like triathlon, you have one transition back. And I still, even though I'm years into it, I have everything in place and I will pack and repack that bag four times just to make sure everything's there. And in this case, I I have an entire laundry basket. It's like a three foot high, you know, by two feet, by one foot laundry basket, full of stuff that I've laid out for months, tested it, worked it. I knew it worked because I've been thinking the worst as in. This is going to be cold and cold and cold. And I need every bit of cold that I can possibly have. And now it's not looking like it's going to be cold, but it could be a little bit wet. So I've packed and repacked what I've had or putting in my drop bags like three times. And I, and I essentially have five bags going with me this time. Which six, actually. It seems excessive. But I have my actual daily wear clothes that are going to the hotel. I have my clothes I'm going to wear to start line, which is a second bag. I have three drop bags that I'm going to access through the race. Which in each drop bag I have two bags that I've I've segregated my stuff for basically first run through and second run through. Since it's an out and back, I don't want to grab the wrong shirt, the wrong nutrition, whatever, because the same aid stations are used twice. But on the way out, I might have seven miles to, to one place, but on the way back, it might be 12, and I need to make sure I have enough nutrition and all that stuff with me. So I'm really so like I said, separating that stuff out. Um, and then I have an extra bag that's the halfway point where I'm going to see you and Karen. So I want to have that stuff. And um, I'll keep rambling. It's okay. And that's so, and I, and I made the, uh, you know, like the, the old Schrodinger's cat comment, like, hey, I, I'm trying to approach this on two different things. Like, hey, I have the everything's perfect race and I have the everything's gone to heck race that I'm trying to plan for. And there's a Can be a two-hour difference, which is two pills, two bars. If I'm going slower, do I need the warmer clothes? And I've like I've packed stuff in my drop bag, not in the I'm giving it to Pete and Karen bag because I know you guys are coming, I know you're going to be there. But there's still the idea that maybe you fall asleep, maybe there's traffic, who knows? You may not be at the at the halfway point, and I need to make sure I still have the gear that I need to get back. So I've taken my stuff and put it in the drop bag before I see you guys. I've taken it and then put it in the drop bag after I've seen you guys. I've changed it and put it in the bag that I'm giving to you guys, and I and I still don't know which way I'm going to go with that. Like like cat on a hot tin plate here. I just don't know, and, I, and I'm probably overthinking. It's probably just put it in. One yeah, I was going to
0: say, is there a, outside, so? Is there a no an argument to be to made to try to keep it simple, right? Like just uh here's John a cold, here's a times. rain, here's a
1: yeah. <clears throat> no, that's it. There is that that argument and um, yes, so uh, keeping it simple, the best way to say it is what's in every bag. Like I said, I have a gallon Ziploc bag. And maybe this gets to some of the questions people have. So I don't intend to need the stuff for everyone. But basically, as I said, let's say I have six one gallon Ziploc bags laid out. In each bag, I have a little, like a quart size one and a sandwich size one like they're nested, like those little Russian nesting dolls, because in the, the one I have my salt pills, I dropped it in, put my bars in it, and I put that in the gallon bag. And that has to go with me every single time, just keeping it simple. I get to the aid station, I get my drop bag, I pull, my, um, pull the bag out, and I pull that little bag out and put it right in my pack. So that way I know I have my salt and I have my nutrition for the next segment that's coming in. Also in all of those sections are a pair of socks, a pair of shorts, and a shirt. In case, that I fall? Am I muddy? Am I, did I, am I sweaty? Did I rain? I don't necessarily intend to change my clothes every single time, you know, six, seven times through the race. But what I don't want is it's in drop bag one and I'm 30 miles away and I don't have that. So I'm just going to have everything in you know triplicate, quote, or actually like two per, so I'm going to have six sets of them out there, knowing I'm never going to use three quarters of that stuff Um, just, it's there absolutely in case I need it. And then there's a couple, (coughs) uh, strategic ones, like going back to drop bag three and drop bag four are the same bag. I see it at mile 42. I see you at mile 50, (coughs) excuse me. And then I see that same drop bag at mile, uh, you know, 58. So the idea is I put, um, if I leave my warm When I say warm clothes, I leave them there. I'm either coming through, it's not rained, I'm dry. I can make it out to see you guys and I can have other stuff with you guys that it just stays in the car. It doesn't bother me. If I need it, then I need it. And then if nothing else, I can change it. That gives me three opportunities within a 20 mile segment, whatever, you know, a 16 mile segment to to change my clothes into the warmer because we're going to be going into the night. And it's imperative, like, if nothing else, and I have that bag marked, like, double marked, like, I have exclamation points and everything on it. Because when we leave that aid station, after we will drop you off from pacing and pick Karen up to pace, we don't have another drop bag or crew access for 22 miles through the night when we're super tired. So I absolutely need to either change my clothes at that point, if I'm going to carry the clothes with me, anything I want, I need to be on me or in my pack. And that's it. There's not another opportunity for the next six hours. So that's like the pinnacle ones coming back out of that you know, mile 58. station. Sorry.
0: Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you've got plenty of prep from a gear perspective and yeah, you know, we talked off air a lot about being prepared for the cold just based on the time of year, kind of what the yep. weather's been the past couple of years because is only this is only the third year of the race yes. uh, they actually ran at the pandemic year, which is interesting. we'll yes. get to that in a minute. Uh, yes. but the that prep for cold kind of went away because the forecast as of now, so we're recording on Wednesday the race is Saturday into Sunday. Yes the forecast as of now is like high in the low 70s for both days and the lows kind of at the beginning of each day are kind of building are in the upper 50s low 60s so it's yeah, both days it's right, right much, now
1: 61 and 62 so <clears throat> it's
0: yeah am not getting
1: overheated so, at this point i
0: think right i was gonna say it's now shifted from cold to wow we're gonna i mean that's Relatively warm, right? For this, yeah. for any race, but especially one this long. So, for you with the hiking, it's like, how is that going to impact you? And you don't know at this point. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, these are the types of questions you don't have an answer to. But, you know, 60 with some wind and some drizzle, and you're hiking because it's late in the race, you can't run at this yep. point, you know, yep. is still potentially chilly. To yeah. some people, right? Yes. So it's having that gear with you available to you and understanding kind of when to when to use it. And <coughs> before we get in, you know, because I want to just kind of talk about like the overall plan for the race itself, not the not the ancillaries that help you run um in mm-hmm. a minute, but the the unknown becomes the daunting part, right? Because you just haven't done it. You have no idea what your body's going to feel at any moment. Yeah. Um, you you kind of understand what it feels like for twenty six miles. In yeah. essence, probably up to about thirty five miles, give or take. Yep. After that, it's all <laughs> it's all a crapshoot.
1: <laughs> yeah. So um, and part of that, going back to I say drawing on other experiences, long bike rides, long um hikes and and a couple of runs i've done and just it's something i said earlier and, and it's just i hate being cold and that, so that said like and so I, I play this out through the race the best way for me to do it i'm going to start because the temperature the, and i know it's going to be different but i'll get there the te- starting temperature on saturday is going to be roughly the same as what it's going to be let's say sunday 24 hours later with the exception of it may be wet so what I figure, like, that's my last screening, I don't want to say that, but it sounds weird. I'm going to start with certain gear on. And if in mile one, I'm too hot, I'm going to strip it off. It's mile two, whatever. And I, and I plan to basically use that as a little bit like, okay, I know this was just absolutely too hot, or this was just a little too warm. It's a little too warm. Like, I'm going to start with a vest that I can zip down. I'm going to have a pair of pants on and gloves. I wear gloves all like always with gloves. I hate when my hands are cold. And they're, they're just real white gloves and they gloves with the little mitten that comes over that folds out over your fingers to keep like the wind blockage. Um, so I'm going to start with that stuff. And if it is, obviously, if it's just absolutely too hot, regardless, I'm going to take it off and leave it in the first drop bag at mile seven and a half. Um, so I know at least the next day, I know I'm going to be going slower. I know it's going to be colder and I know, you know, I, I'm going to be I'll physically be colder. Like, let's just say I've worn down, I'm not, you know, just tired, excuse me, being out there and all that, you know, dehydrated whatever else you want to interject with that. So that's where I'm going to have the, basically the same setup in that drop bag three slash four when I see you guys. And what I will know, hopefully know at that point, you know, 16 hours later, is if I need to supplement and take more, like I'm thinking based on these forecasts, that gear will be more than adequate because it's like my 40 degree gear, not my you know, into the upper 30s, not the 50s. So I'm thinking I'll be able to just take it, just pack it. I mean, what's a shirt and a pair of pants? Like not a lot. And I'd rather have it out there on the fold with the availability to add a layer and then Karen, actually, Karen, as I talked to her the other week, made me promise that I will carry, when we were thinking it was going to be cold, an extra layer past what I think I'm going to need. So that's basically what I'm going to do. Still going to carry a set of gloves, a uh, something, a warmer top and warmer pants, um, knowing that I'm probably not going to need it through the night, but it'd just be nice to have it. So,
0: Right.
1: And I, I, I take gloves always. And it's not like, it sounds weird. If I put the vest on it's like a windproof running vest It'll help with the wind it'll help with the if it's slightly rainy like if my from my if my shoulder to my wrist gets wet or it it doesn't really get wet or cold it doesn't matter it doesn't bother but if i keep my hands warm my head you know warm slash dry with either a beanie or a ball cap um and you know vest i should be good because i mean i have running shorts that are going to go to my knee i'm wearing calf sleeves which come up two inches below them so i'm essentially going to be wearing pants anyways it's like we're having a second set of so gotcha. um, that's just that's what i've done the cap sleeves or a compression socks now for 10 12 years so it's just it's just what i do and i know it worked down to freezing up to you know i've ran you know pittsburgh and and uh chicago and stuff like that and those were warm days and i wasn't keep keep on the fluids to regulate my heat gotcha
0: all right, so now you're you're at the starting line. You and you're running with uh, your buddy Ryan. Yes. The I don't I don't know how they start the race. If they just say go go. Uh, if Pretty they, much,
1: I think year one they, have was, an air they horn rolling starts. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, they basically, yeah, yeah, year one was rolling start because of COVID restrictions. But I think year two it's just basically a mask. You said either yell go into the thing or air, air horn whatever, but. Um, One thing Ryan and I have discussed, and what I asked him, and basically this is my first ask of the race already before we even started the race. And I said, hey, like, we're going to, we really have to make sure we don't go too fast. You've said it, Karen said it, everyone said, don't go too fast. It's going to be, this early mile is going to be about just keeping a good, consistent, slow pace, and and, and in order to have a decent shot of finishing this thing. So I said, Ryan, I'd like, I, I asked and I make the joke, can we walk for the first, either stand still? And he said, well, hey, let's walk for the first. And I said, minute and 40, because that's a hundred seconds. Like if we just let the crowd go, just let everybody go. And then the idea being that does two things is instead of rabbiting out to the front, being with people that you shouldn't be with and trying feeling like you're mucking up somebody else's race because if we if we hit a single track or something now you're trying to stay in the conga line i said ryan i'd rather be i'd rather be at the back i just want to start i want to go slow you know and so we're and the reason why it's a minute 40 it's 100 seconds that's a second per mile i think we can sacrifice one second per mile to literally try to put ourselves at the back that way two three parts as we're following it's early it's dark we're going to be following everybody's headlights so we can clearly see which way we're going to go. So there's no way to get lost. Second thing is we're, we're going to be slowed down by, you know, some people will be able to pass them if they're really slow and not and it's not going to be the pace we want. But ultimately, it's using the congestion of the first couple miles to just intentionally go out slower than we really, than we would if we had the freedom to just run. Got it. That makes sense. No, yeah, it's, yeah it's, absolutely it's you using yeah. using the infrastructure to your advantage then, and then to yeah. slow down and then because they're to the first aid station seven and a half miles in because then the next to next like to the hat to the marathon point um it's there's some really runnable sections and that's where we want to make sure like you know i don't want to go out too fast in the beginning and I really don't want to go out too fast to that first marathon and that's just intentionally and i sent you the pace chart where i you know this is roughly what we're looking at and there's a couple of places that i've highlighted because if we're trying to target ideally for a deep for the finish to finish um we should be doing like 13 minute miles to start um and in order there's a couple of places where it's like i think we're going to have to really physically slow ourselves down to hit that because there's a downhill segment there's a road segment there's like a I want to say a rail trail. It's not a rail trail. It's an abandoned rail line. So it's, it's at least a flat grade, but there's still going to be some things to jump over and so forth like that. There's some really runnable parts in that first, you know, well, I say first that, that middle 19 mile section or so, um, that we really need to make sure we don't go out too hard, too fast, just really stay on face at that point. I,
0: I mean, and I'm sure that there's like that part that, is going to be telling you, hey, soak this in, right? I mean, you're in a, a beautiful national park. You don't wanna yes. yeah. you don't wanna don't, be suffering early on and miss all the beauty, right? Right. Yes. Yeah. So you've got a within yourself pace, you're getting through that first. I mean, it sounds funny, right? When you talk about these hundred mile races, because a lot of people kind of break it up into first marathon, second marathon kind of thought process, yeah. right? Yes. Okay. It's 25 miles versus 26.2 when you're going yeah. over a hundred miles that kind of all blends together. And yeah. so you've got this kind of first quarter of the race, that first marathon, pretty runnable overall. Um, yeah. a lot of, there's still some beauty in there. I mean, cause you're, you've got this, the, the Canyon, the new river, um, gorge is absolutely beautiful. So You've yeah. got that. Yeah. You've done that distance in the past several times, yep. many times. Yep. So you're yep. you're kind of ready for that. You know what that feels like. You understand it. Then there's that second part, which again continues fairly runnable at times. It's kind of like a net downhill in that in that section. Although there's yep. there is some climbs, but you're right. kind of net downhill in that twenty yeah, so the, next twenty five miles.
1: The the breakdown in using the mileages and the aid stations and, and so the logic behind it is you see you're on their property, so you kind of do this little corkscrew, looks like a bullseye or a spiral around and around, and then you hit the first aid station, which is Concho Rim, which is the one of the pinnacle um, views. There's like three big ones, and this is one of them. Is at that aid station. You're looking. If you look left, you see basically you're looking as far up river. It's again like the horseshoe bend of the river, and you're looking as far up river to the north where you're going to run, and you're looking as far down river as you you're going to run the you know, the other direction, uh, which is pretty neat. Like if you look, you know, north versus south. there. So then, like you're saying, from mile seven to this turnaround point, which is Thurman, is that's the as far as the south we go. That's mile seventeen. So it's basically like a ten mile out net downhill. And then a, a large portion of that, you come back on the same, and then you hit a trail, but instead of going like left, to go back to that property, you go right. And it's another runnable trail, where if you, if you watch some of the videos, and I forget the name of it, but it sort of runs around the river. And again, it's there's some old grading, logging roads, or mining, I'm not sure what they are, probably mining roads. So there's some nice old graded roads that we're gonna run essentially around this uh, canyon. Uh, gorge, but there are the ups and the downs of where rivers or streams would cut through it. And that gets you, and I'm going to have to make up part of it, uh, to roughly the canard aid station. And the canard aid station is at mile 27. That's why I'm saying that's the, uh, the, when you look at it, canard is like at the bottom, absolutely, that's it. And then you leave canard, you literally go straight up one big hill climb, and then there's a little bit of downhill, and then straight up another climb, and you literally climb that whole canyon rim to their Long Point aid station. Long Point is like the second or the pinnacle one, the number one, where you're on there and you're overlooking the bridge that crosses uh, the gorge. So that kind of thinking that through, that's where we're. I'm saying okay, to the half to the first marathon point, it's a lot of downhill, and you can't go too fast, and there's no way. I'm going to go too fast up to significant climbs to the top to the to the literally the highest point on the course. Then the trick being is going to be going nice and slow from there. Basically, it's net downhill because we go from Long Point, which is on the top, five miles straight down to underneath the bridge, which is the Fayette Station uh, aid station. That's about 42, and so it's just a matter of. Literally and possibly trying to walk downhill instead of run downhill and try not to lose too much what we could, um, but walk run downhill to the to that main aid station, and then you hit kind of the the out and out back point. But you take over narrating for a second. So just given some of the topography where we're intentionally going to use some of it to to know that we're going to go slower and slow down.
0: Yeah, I mean these are these are climbs and grades that are not I mean it's they're not casual uphills these are pretty big climbs in short order right so that's kind of the um you know that's kind of the the issue right it's yeah it it's really about the steepness and I don't think you've got a choice on Like you've got to hike them. I mean, we're not those athletes that are running these types of hills too often. So um, you get to Anstead at the halfway, and that's where you could pick up your first pacer, which at this point, you know, that's my plan. And out of Anstead, you start downhill immediately. Um, It's like about a 400. Oh, see, now this is much better because now I get to look at Annie. I've got a She's baby awesome. guest. I didn't though. want her to be too, too loud on the
1: grind. So now we'll <laughs> let her look at, let her look at Mr. P.
0: <laughs> so, uh, yeah, when I, when I come in there, it's like a 420 foot downhill and then a 440 foot climb and then straight downhill 440 feet on a much steeper angle down the other side to right. then get to Fayette at 58. So at yep. those points, my assumption is it's going to be dark at that point, or or dusk, leading to yep. dark, and if, a lot of that's going to goes have to, to be... plan.
1: It'll be dark for you because if if it twelve hours, we'll say of daylight, or or, or ten hours of daylight, whatever it is, um, we're looking at a you know roughly let's say thirteen hours. Let's say it's kind of a sweet spot. We think we can get there, and it's not going too fast. If we get to the halfway at 1314 time frame, that's definitely after dark. If we pick you up and there's still daylight, we've gone way too fast on it. We better yeah. feel like we better feel like Superman on speed. And I I just I would rather again 1314 time frame um and, and it is rough and, and even so maybe some it may sound funny and intentionally like I said, if we're going to have to go slow and go slow, that's why I'm going to have my little pace chart with me. But I know just taking those climbs slow, slow up, slow down, and only, only running on a on flat. If
0: I, Flat and rollers. I mean, because flat here is yeah. relative, right? There, there's a lot of rollers. Yeah. Um, yes. I mean, and it goes back to what I quote Scotty Coomer, who I'm sure is quoting somebody else all the time in the first half don't be stupid and in the second half don't be a wimp right so my my point being that you've got this this kind of seven and a half mile section eight mile section that has only one big climb but two big downhills in it yeah um yep and and that gets you to 58 and that's where you plan to pick up karen yep and that's the doozy that's a That's thousand foot climb in the,
1: the biggest, most monstrous one. Like, Hey, Karen, welcome to West Virginia. Here's, here's a thousand feet over the next, what, two miles in the dark. Yep. Let's go.
0: Yeah. I'm not even <laughs> sure it's a full two miles. I think it's less than two miles. Uh, but maybe it's just over, but either way, it's, it's a massive climb and your yep. next aid station is quote unquote, only five miles away at long point which the reason is because you have a massive climb and then it goes like downhill, uphill, downhill, and then another fairly steep. You've got really steep climbs on this section.
1: And for everybody, when Pete's saying this, because I'm looking at the chart and he is as well. So it's basically a one, two... Two miles of that mega what we're saying is it goes from like what eight hundred feet to eighteen hundred feet across to two and a half miles. And then it's a what do we call that? A half a mile downhill where you lose about two hundred feet, a half a mile uphill where you gain the same two hundred, then a mile downhill where you lose about three hundred, and then a mile uphill where you gain looks like almost four hundred. Yep. So it's like, yeah, it's 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 just oh it's just two little hills. But those two little hills are equivalent to what you did with us on that eight mile segment. And she had just come off of a, you know, thousand foot climb as well. So that's, that is going to be far none. We're tired. It's dark, could be the coldest part of the night. And it's the longest sustained climb period in the entire course.
0: Right. Yeah. So I guess my point here is like you're hiking at this point. I mean, it's dark. Yes. It's yes. potentially uh, raining or has rained or what have you. You've got a lot of leaf cover. Mm-hmm. You're tired. You've never yep. done this. I mean, the, the, the plan here yep. is to hike, right?
1: Yes. Yes. There, there will not be one step. I've, I've jokingly said, I don't care if I run a step at all when it's dark. So I may not have ran any with you. I definitely do not plan to run potentially. I said potentially the only running on that entire segment might be on one of those two little itty bitty downhills. If it's like a paved road or something, we might run for like a 200 yards, which I don't think I believe that's all trail system at that point. So I don't intend, I don't intend to run a step, but basically between Fayette station and long point aid station. And then we hit long point, Next one's Arrowhead, and then um, so it goes Long Point to Arrowhead, Arrowhead to Canard. There's two. So Long Point to Arrowhead's pretty flat. That's like rollers across the, the the ridge line. There might be some running there, depending on how we feel coming out of Arrowhead. There's a nice down. There's a long downhill. There's a, and also Canard. There's a nice downhill as well. That just depends on. Is it dark? Is it light? Did it rain? Is it wet? How are we feeling? Et cetera. You know, because once you leave, then when I say canard, that's where we would lose Aaron. That's 22 miles in. We're now 80 miles into the race. You're debating jumping in or not, depending on how you feel there or later. We can talk about that too. But that now is at least sections that we've, that stuff we've now seen it on the way out in the daylight. We'll be able to at least make a determination. Is the trail runnable? If we're feeling good, so, you know, it's not like we're seeing new territory at that point. It's territory we've seen, and at least we have a rough idea of what's coming.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at it, it, it this point, I mean, my guess is that plans are kind of almost like out the window. Adapting on the
1: fly. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah I mean, you're just going to be we're adapting. Doing, yeah. You know, tree to tree or that old mailbox to mailbox running at that point. Yeah, it's going to be. What, what do we have anything left? Let's go ahead and give a little push. Okay, now we're going to, yeah, it, it's planning to walk. And if we feel good, have you know, put in whatever we can put in at that point.
0: Yeah. And because race directors, um, and this kind of stuff and, and the terrain speaks to it, um, because race directors in this case are the devil, uh, there, mm-hmm. there's another big section like you, you kind of have these rollers getting from canard to. Erskine, which is about five and a half miles later, but from Erskine, then you get this other, the next big climb, if you will. It's not yeah. quite the caliber of what you did with Karen at 58, but it's right. getting close. It's, you know, again, about a maybe two and a half mile mm. stretch, and you're talking a good 850 feet of yep. vertical total, but there's a bunch of up and downs in there too. Yeah. Um, that are, you can't really see on their maps because of the scale. So it, yeah. it, you don't see the, well, what I call the heart attack, right? Like it, yep. it just yep. kind of goes up and down, up and down. And then, um, and then a nice downhill though, to get to back to Concho Rim, yep. which now you're at uh, about Six seven and a yeah. half miles to, to the finish. Right. And that's just do what you got to do at that point, um, if you're, if we're blessed enough to have you at that point, you know, we've got to find a way to get you home. So, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm debating whether or not I can handle that 13, 12 and a half, 13 mile stretch. I I think I can, but it's, you know, I mean, that's a climb. So, yeah. oh yeah, <laughs> and, uh, you know, that, that, that's interesting. And it may be that, you know, you need somebody more towards the finish and maybe, I don't know, we got to figure it out. But again, I think some of this kind of pacing and crewing duty is going to be kind of just adapting on the fly. So, I mean, the plan sounds like basically to sum it up is a first half of the race somewhere in a 13 to 14 hour range for the first 50 and then get home in the next 18 hours, 17, 18 hours. Right. Yeah. Um, that's how long you have and anything third what I, what I keep telling, uh, people who are kind of talking to me about it, like, Oh, you know, like what's Rob's goal. And I'm like, finish. I mean, yes. the, the buckle is the same size. If you finish in 15 hours or if you finish in 32, there, there's no right. difference. There's yep. no prize money there. You're not winning the race. The, nope. the, the, the only way for you to win is to, to, to get that buckle Uh, In terms of like total victory, personally, I think even just getting out on the course—if you did anything past what you've done in the—you know—in your illustrious uh, athletic career up until now—I think it's fantastic. That's that's me, right? I'm sure you want to finish
1: farther than I've ever run. Yeah, if I make it to the fourth aid station, that's farther than I've ever ran, and then I still have one, two, three, four, five, six. Eight, nine more, not eight, eight stations in the finish past that, so a lot of firsts out
0: there. Yeah, awesome. Well, it did take longer than I thought, but there was one more question that came in. So I think we got a pretty good lay of the land, how it's all going to work for you. Um, Greg yeah. was asking about prepping for the cold, which we've talked about. Um, yeah, you talked about prepping for the rain. Um, he had one more question, and then I do want to, I guess, if we have time, talk about one other thing. He actually asks about the fact that this is a Western States qualifier, and if you are blessed enough to finish, if you would put in for that lottery.
1: Sort sure? No? Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so I have stupid luck on things that I probably shouldn't be flirting with. So I know that they, I saw that it became Western States, but the long and the is, I I don't, I don't know how that works. So you, I mean, is it, you finish this and then that you're qualified to put up water? I don't know that criteria because I don't want to look up that criteria because I don't want to do, do silly things that I'm, that, that can really, you know, kill me. Uh, But also like I jokingly and I could go through a bunch of stuff, but it's like one of those, I, I, my wife has randomly picked, we're going to go here, like pick a town in April with my girlfriends. And then I look like one of them was Nashville. And that's why I did the Nashville marathon. I didn't pick the time or the place. She did. It just happened to be the Nashville marathon. One time uh, we, she said, we're going to go to DC. And it was just when I was getting into running or uh, triathlon and they were having trimania like a big, huge expo with all kinds of stuff. like I luck into some really silly things and like, I don't. My luck somehow would be I would put in, I would get in, and then I'll get an email from Laz as well that says, hey, by the way, you want to do Barclay Merit? It'd be something stupid that like I really probably should not do it. So will I put in, let's eh, Let's let's see how this one goes. I'm determined to finish. I, I don't know the criteria, so I'm assuming he's right that if I finish this, I'm uh, eligible to put in for it. Um, and then I'll, I'll take a good hard look, flip a coin, and figure it out from there.
0: Yeah, that's all it is. I mean, you finish, you get a ticket, you could put in for it. Um yeah. and then you've got a very small chance of getting in. But Yeah, that's perfect. uh all right. And so that's the last thing better. I mean, this did go way longer than I thought, but last thing, just real quick, let's talk about the documentary that came out. Yeah. Into the well, it's called. I and thought it was it, great.
1: And you're you're like it's interesting. It's making me think. Oh, come on, Pete. That was awesome. Like, my heart rate was up. And, like, I'm texting Ryan, like, all capitals. Let's do this thing. Like, you know, so come on. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So Into the Well was a documentary of the first year of the Rim to River race in the pandemic year of 2020 in the main. I mean, I guess we're still in the pandemic, but the main pandemic year of 2020 where everybody's races were getting canceled. They did theirs. And it follows... The formation of the race through the race director's eyes, and also then following two athletes through the race the eventual winner, Caleb Brown and Owen. Owen, sorry. Uh, And uh, Holly Ann Swan? Yeah, I think Swain,
1: but yes. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah. I guess I should write this stuff down. Um, but once again, not very much a prepping on this podcast. Point being, though, that they follow these runners and they have two very, very different experiences. So yeah. I just, I guess your take on it was it was awesome and now you can't wait to do it even more.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sitting there like I'm looking at my wife and see, see, don't you want to do this? And she's like, no, <laughs> no, naughty. No then she looks down at Annie and says, your daddy's just silly. So, yeah. Yeah. So,
0: I mean, what I found interesting about it is that they got really lucky as filmmakers, I think, in following Mm -hmm. somebody who kind of has the outcome that they were hoping for going in, in Kaylee. Mm -hmm. And Holly Ann has the more typical ultra race, I think. (laughs) Yeah. Um, it, It seems like two extremes, but I think if you had to pick one extreme, obviously it's the Holly Ann one where there's some struggles that are more typical but
1: that's why i was only four minutes in and ryan was like like he said it was good it's a good documentary because i started it late and then uh so then he had seen the whole thing before i even started and then he said said, he's our our race will be much closer to holly ann's i'm like well i'm four minutes in and they ask her do you want to change your socks and her response is my shoes are filled with blood i should probably leave them on (laughs) so i said that's going to be our race and ryan's like well i mean that's possible but i meant more what happens later so
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's kind of a good documentary. Um, I'll try to link it in the show notes. Um, It's fun to watch, like even if you're not into ultra running, just because it's, they're really human interest stories.
1: Yeah. And I mean, if if I'm okay throwing spoilers and saying what's out there, because it's two years old, people can go Google this stuff as well. So two or three parts I thought that were awesome. And, And I've heard like a half a dozen at least podcast interviews with, Caleb, he actually started his own Appalachia Runner podcast. And I, so I heard about his year two prior to hearing about his year one at the race, um, where he, it was him interviewing the other, the, he won it year one and year two. And he was interviewing the guy that he was basically racing neck and neck with for this thing. So, year one, and say, so play it out the documentary, they started, the documentary contacted the race director said hey, we'd like to do this And he's like yeah sure great hey by the way you might want to check out these two athletes because uh caleb bowen is a the i think the tracker or running coach at marshall and yeah. holly and is one of his runners so he's like this what i think this was his first hundred and yeah. inaugural and that's where in the documentary the the race director walks over and hands the buckle to him and says hey this is the first one we're giving out and he was really happy to give it to caleb because it's the first 100 miler in west virginia it's caleb's first 100 so a west virginian won the first 100 miler in west virginia also then holly ann and when we say typical like it's a more typical race experience Caleb finishes in 18 hours and is just super strong. He's, he's like a monster. She had foot issues, knee issues. She had some issues and so forth. And she, in, she still ended up finishing. And she was still 12th woman, I think, overall. But it was closer to like a 28, 29-hour finish, I think, is what she did. Now, to say spoilers, the following year, Caleb won it again. Him and this guy battled neck and neck. And they went from an 18-hour finish to a 16-hour finish. Holly Ann ends up taking first female overall, uh, first female in year two. And this year, I said to you, I don't know if you remembered it or not, Caleb won the canal corridor that Karen did. He went out and won it in like just under 13 hours. So he's really picked up his running career.
0: Yeah. Uh, Holly Ann, that that second year too, she was fourth overall Okay. period, like regardless of gender, right? So
1: yeah. I didn't. I didn't know that step, but I knew first female
0: too. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I mean, that's yeah, pretty good. Much- so yeah, I mean, it's a good documentary, good human interest stories. Definitely think you should, you know, check it out. Yeah. And you know, for us, a forty-five minute podcast probably isn't all that bad, Rob.
1: No, oh, I know we can go like another hour and a half just talking about anything you like. I mean, that's lovely, red house.
0: Yeah, it's well, it's Bradley. Got to support my ah. son. So. <laughs>
1: That was Steve um, for Bosovic. your support. Thanks, Thanks Toronto, and that illusion.
0: No, not going to lie to you, Rob. Now or on the course. So,
1: <laughs> suck it up. Get cup. used
0: to it, pal. <laughs> All right. Anything it. else you want to add before we wrap her up?
1: Nothing I have. Ask any questions you want. Otherwise, hopefully, we do. We have some, some good news here in a few days.
0: Yeah, yeah. We'll do a race but recap I think I said, after.
1: Did I send you the link? For so the tracking, there's live tracking, GPS tracking. You can put in there as well if anybody wants to along. so along. Oh, yeah. Show. No,
0: I don't think you have. But, I mean, I can probably look that up on their website, I'm assuming. So. I've said it. I've
1: said it in uh, a minute or two. Here, but that. Yeah, we'll
0: throw in live tracking. So it's November 5th, right?
1: This Saturday, 6 a.m.
0: Yeah, so, yeah, November 5th, 6 a.m. It starts and goes through the 6th, 32-hour running clock. And we already went through the whole time clock (laughs) thing. We're not going to do that again. Uh, So that's it. We're going to wrap it up. Thanks to Rob for joining me today. And of course, Annie, who is really the star. And Uh even though I'm the only one that can see her. So you've been listening to episode 167 of the Fat Man Chronicles. The music is You Got Me Wrong by Safar. Reach out, ask questions. you know give some feedback share these stories hopefully it helps just one other person out there and in the meantime everyone get out there and be better today i was not hiding i was